just generally, they really cared about their people, which is one of the biggest things that has shaped my idea of what a successful firm would be, because I want to have that team that is, that's a family that you love to hang out with. Candace hit the nail on the head in wanting to value our future teammates. I found too that firms I had worked with in the past that were truly successful knew how to value their people. Candace recently started her own custom residential practice in her hometown of Austin, Texas after going to University of Southern California for graduate school and then working for an architecture firm in LA designing high-end custom homes. So her interview is an inside look at starting her own architectural practice. All right, friends, 10 Colleagues, 10 Years is a podcast series where I interview 10 of my colleagues from architecture school 10 years after graduating. We all went to Texas A&M University and received a degree from the College of Architecture, but ended up in drastically different places. This podcast is a celebration of what a non-traditional architecture degree offers for the skills that it teaches. It's 10 individual stories of navigating a career path that's meant to be inspirational. And when I personally started my own architecture practice earlier this year, I attribute some of my success to this kind of degree program. So I hope that you get the same sort of inspiration from these stories, and thanks for listening. I'm Heather Pogue, and this is 10 Colleagues, 10 Years. Hi! Hi, Heather! How's it going, Candace? Good, how are you? Good. So I followed everybody that we graduated with, and I'm really inspired by and respect all of you. And so I picked 10 people to showcase Well, it's an honor. I'm really interested because we both started our own firms at relatively the same point in our careers. So I'm curious also to hear your story and journey to that. I start out each episode by telling a story about the individual. (laughs) For me, it was something when I was thinking about who to interview and then I narrowed it down to 10 people. I started thinking about something that describes that person to me. (laughs) And your memory isn't necessarily specific to a certain time, but it's just watching you throughout the four years we spent together at AM, how you treated everyone with such respect and equality. And I think you were somebody that always brought everyone together and you saw a friend in everybody. You just described how I feel about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair, Heather. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it plays into how you've chosen your career path. So I'm curious to hear how the last 10 years have gone. Oh, well, I mean, they've gone by so quickly, which is crazy to have this conversation because I feel like time flies by so fast that I just completely forget to think about what's happened and try to digest it all. Mm -hmm. So whenever you talked about talking about this, I was, wow, I have to go back through my memories and try to pull them all back out because, you know, they've just been filed away. There's so many things that we're trying to accomplish right now that I just push them all aside. I mean, 10 years. Wow. (laughs) Undergrad. That was crazy. I moved to Dallas and I got my first job working at Corgan. Corgan is an architecture firm started in Dallas, Texas over 80 years ago. They specialize in large scale architecture, including but not limited to airports, theaters, schools, and medical clinics. They now have offices all over the country, including a couple of international locations working at Corgan in the aviation department. And I stayed there for two years working on the same project. You know, those are 10 year projects. So I got to do a really cool amount, but still a small portion in the overall scheme. As I was working there, I thought about 
going to grad school with A&M. We have to go to grad school and to finish up our architecture degree, but I definitely wanted to try it out. That's what everybody always suggests before you go to, straight into grad school. Try it out first. Make sure that that's something that you want to do. And I had internships, but those are actually getting a real job and being in the career. So I worked at Corgan for two years and then realized a few things that one, I did want to do architecture and two, I didn't want to do aviation architecture. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to find out also. Yeah, it comes back in my story later. Also decided that I wanted to be outside of Texas because Texas is super cool. Austin is super cool. But I always wanted to be in California or New York, especially after studying abroad in Spain. I just wanted to be in a big city. That's where I wanted to live, and I wanted to try that lifestyle out. Mm -hmm. So when I was applying for grad schools, I only applied to – well, I applied to a few Texas schools, but if it wasn't wasn't Austin, um, then it was California or New York. Went to grad school, which I ended up going to USC because they gave me the best financial aid package and the best scholarships, and then got some internships there where I was doing residential architecture, which is what brought me into architecture in the first place, and Mm -hmm. then – It was always something that I thought I would end up doing. When I graduated grad school, LA got hit crazy hard with the recession. I was lucky that I got my first job in Dallas because that's also when Texas got hit with the recession. So there was a second wave when I was in LA and all the residential architects just got hit hard. So whenever I was trying to get the same job that I had interned for and they weren't hiring, they actually like laid off people while I was there for the summer internship. My first week, they laid off half of the company. Wow. And when I graduated, I was just trying to take whatever job I could get at that point since residential wasn't going to work out. I ended up working for Jen Wong Associates because of my aviation background, and that's what they were doing. So they knew that I was already familiar with everything. I went back to aviation (laughs) out of sheer necessity, and then finally went back to KAA. That was the internship, the residential one. So once things started looking up, just stayed out in LA for, I think it was like six and a half years. Wow, that's a lot longer than I remember. Yeah, it's all those things that once you start thinking about it, you're like, wait, I was out there for that long? Wow. Right, yeah. (laughs) Time flies. And then Sean's- Her supportive husband. Been over LA for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) I made him come out to LA. It's actually how he ended up being in the field that he is in now, but he was ready to come back to Texas. And so ended up coming back to Texas. Starting my own firm was always in the back of my mind. But when you're working for such a really cool firm, you keep it in the back of your mind because I was already at an established place. I loved all my coworkers. I loved the work that we were doing. It was my dream job. When we moved out of Texas, well, I have to leave behind my dream job. So might as well start my own firm, which was about a year ago. And now I've just been trying to figure that out since. It's a journey. I kind of want to go back to the beginning and we can get more into the nitty gritty. What was your fairy word? Fairy word. What I mean by this is, Ferry's actually a person. He's John Ferry, and he was the studio professor you had directly before or after Rodney Hill, typically. His assignments were notorious because the first day he made all the students select a word that described themselves, and then everything we designed in that studio had to express that particular word. First was a 2D drawing of delicate small ink strokes, then came the 3D cube of shapes, and then lastly, a house. All had to ultimately express the word, and our colleagues became known for that word. So I thought it would be fun to revisit this topic 10 years later. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) 
I forgot about that. Uh, it was captivating. <laughs> captivating. All right. And do you feel like you are still captivating? I was thinking about that earlier today. I found all of my old projects, you know, I was going through all the images and it's always good to revisit where you started because I think it's like, it's good for a good laugh. It's very humbling. <laughs> it really is. You're like, wow, I like literally started from the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you um, you remember it better than it actually was. When you yeah. see the images and go back, you're like, that was terrible. I didn't think they were blow your mind away good, but I was like, you know, I was pretty confident. After all these years of training your eye and trying to figure out what makes a place, and then you come back and you're even more critical. And also my style changed a lot, which I think there's still maybe like small pieces of it, but I would say that it's almost unrecognizable. Um, <laughs> we're architects, there's always a way to trace back to some similarity, but it might not be so obvious. Maybe my mm. method might be the same or very small things that I was always obsessed about back then, like I might still be obsessed about now. But overall, I don't think you would recognize my work. I felt at a and I didn't really have a voice. And it was only until grad school that I really honed that voice for me it was like grasping at straws trying to figure out what the whole thing meant and then in grad school it all clicked for whatever reason do you think it has something to do with finding that or you think it's just evolved and matured both even at the very beginning our voice might have been more pure because we were coming from nowhere think back about like why I got into architecture and it wasn't because I knew so much about it I just was really drawn to the profession I came from having no idea of what architecture was. And in our first semester, they dump you in, give you the fairy word to try to figure out how to make all of your things symbolize that, where I felt like it was very pure. I was making all of these things captivating, right? Mm -hmm. It might not have been my exact voice, but that was before everything else had diluted my sense of what I thought things were, which is why everything looks so crazy. <laughs> uh, but also, the more I progressed in my path, the more you're learning about everybody else and what everybody else is doing, what society deems architecture is. It becomes evolved, but also sometimes muted a little bit because residential architecture, you can have a really good client that will let you soar. I think that's all of our dream. But also, you have those clients that have a very specific idea of what it should be, which I think is also a really beautiful collaboration, the two ideas coming together, that it's a little bit different. It's both finding your voice, but also it evolving and finding its place in the world. The studio environment's so unique. There's a feedback loop there where you can ask, hey, what do you think of this? And like you're saying, it gets a little bit muted. You're a sponge and you're taking in all these things from different people and it's a collaborative effort. Yeah, and there's all the societal, cultural things about what architecture is and how you can carry out architecture, right? Like building codes and I think at the end of the day, yeah, your purity gets diluted. Yeah, and it's not always a bad thing. It's just comparatively to the very beginning where you're dreaming whatever you want. I had little to no references in my mind of things visually that I've seen or spaces that I've felt. So I was just like birthing something and it was awful sometimes. Well, and that makes you think one of Ferry's first assignments too was we had to do the journal and we had to come up with inspiration and glue yeah. them up in this journal. And I remember like that was grasping at straws too, because I yeah. had no idea what was 
relevant. I had never had to look for inspiration in architecture. And I didn't know that it was also almost better to get inspiration from other venues, any kind of art or any kind of something that you find inspirational. It could be anything. It doesn't have to yeah. be architecture. But I remember coming up with all these random things, gluing them up in this journal. And I still have that journal and I've looked back at it. You're trying to get something from nothing. That takes oh. years to build. Yeah, for sure. If you had to describe the time in architecture school briefly, how would you describe it? It's a very nebulous question. Yeah, and I actually have this conversation more than I thought that I would because I try to meet as many young people and try to mentor as much as I can. And actually, my neighbor across the street just got accepted into A&M, and she was trying to choose between A&M and OU. And I think OU has an architecture degree versus A&M has environmental design. So summing up just studio life in general, because for anybody that is thinking about becoming an architect, on one hand, I love architecture. I can't imagine doing anything else because I have imagined doing <laughs> everything else. <laughs> I, you know, and I love it and I think it's my calling, but also if there's anything else that you can think about doing, try that. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what makes you say that? have a bittersweet taste in my mouth about architecture because I absolutely love the culture of architecture, especially in studio. I think that's the only reason that we got through our program because it's your colleagues and other students because it, that's what made it so fun and so interesting is that collaborative nature where all these different-minded people are coming together and, and working together and it's competitive, but it's collaborative and without the studio culture, I probably wouldn't be an architect because if we all had to do that alone, nobody wants to do that. It was awful. <laughs> yeah. yeah <all laughs> I the tell time people stories about sleeping under my desk on a cardboard box and Chris Doan sleeping in a cabinet and, and coming out <laughs> in the morning whenever it was time to get up. But <laughs> your teachers are so hard on you. It's like emotional warfare where you just like, you think you're great and you have to present yourself as being great but also just getting like torn down and emotionally ripped apart <laughs> right? because what you're creating is, is so personal to you. And so when somebody is critiquing your work and a lot of times a really negative way, <laughs> they're like saying something about you as a creator. It's a different type of field where you can critique someone on uh, like what's right and wrong in like a math field, but versus architecture, it's all, you know, uh, opinion based and, 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 and difficult. So um, yeah. we took great pride in, in the torture that you all experienced together. That's <laughs> which interesting. Is, I think, why we were so close. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, really close to Erin Peavy's answer. She was like, <laughs> I remember the tough things fondly, is I think how, how she put it. Yeah, which it doesn't make any sense. It's like almost like we were <laughs> architecture. It's, it's like the abusive relationship that you can't get out of. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's not good for you, but you love it so much. You know, cause we're, and you I, keep I don't going know. back to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we're all like masochists, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's true. And and you wouldn't be doing anything else. I mean, I would, the way you describe that is exactly how I would put it. Like, I've thought about a lot of different things. And architecture trains you to do a lot of things. Our degree did specifically. But I don't think I would be as happy doing anything else. 
I try to sum up all of that to anyone who asks about architecture school with Texas A&M, specifically with the four-year environmental design degree. I love, hate that degree as well, because I think it worked out really nicely for people who got out of architecture. You can do all of these things afterwards, which you can't, like you could be a graphic designer, you could just go into design. It, it teaches you a lot of skills, but also if you did want to be in architecture, which I don't think we all knew going into that degree, for sure, I want to be in architecture. I don't think anybody knew that. But coming out of it, the fact that you can't be an architect yet because you didn't get an architecture degree, you're like, no. <laughs> and then still not fully realizing what that meant even when you graduate. Because I remember yeah. hearing that. I was one of those people that showed up day one and someone said that and I was like, huh, I didn't know the difference until I showed up. And then it was like, well, I'm already in, I might as well do this. And then you yeah. start to learn what that means, like your junior year when you start thinking about internships and jobs. And then senior year, you graduate, and you still don't fully realize, I mean, you realize you'll have to go back to school if you want a license in most states. I always try to tell people like, listen, my suggestion would be to get a five-year degree. Like that's the only real suggestion that I have for architecture students is get a five-year degree because you can still do anything else outside of architecture with a five-year degree, but also you can become an architect afterwards. And then grad school is an option. It's not a necessity because I tell people that too. And I try to think back and reflect if I didn't go to grad school, I wouldn't have had so many experiences that I love. And mm -hmm. I also don't think that my education would have been as well-rounded, but also it was so expensive. That's the thing I was going to say is you described it perfectly. Like it's so expensive, but at yeah. the same time, I wouldn't trade those two yeah. years for anything just because it clicked for me. So that's why I say five year. And then you have the option to go back to grad school if you are financially ready to make that commitment or you have the financial means to make that happen, then I think that's great. Then you go back to grad school and you, I think you have more options too. There's a lot of programs for the plus one that you can do all kinds of things. Plus two, it gets a little bit hairy. That's why I was deciding between USC and Pratt and uh, USC ultimately won because it was only a two-year degree versus Pratt. It's a three-year because they accept anybody that wow. didn't even have an architecture undergrad and they're giving you all of these basics that we already had and they wouldn't take away some like you couldn't opt out of some of the classes because you already had an undergrad degree it was like three years plus it was so expensive per year that it's mind-boggling how and that's like a, a separate conversation I think <laughs> totally back to being 18 and not knowing necessarily <laughs> what it all was gonna be like what did you think uh, when you showed up to architecture school? I don't know if I told you this, but I accidentally got into the wrong field in the architecture school. I got into construction science instead of environmental design. <laughs> I vaguely remember that back then. Because I just thought I was so confused about which one was architecture because they sound so vague <laughs> that I ended up, my orientation was just like a bunch of good old boys and me. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the wrong one. <laughs> school and I thought that I would be able to come out and be an architect. Everybody's dreams of architecture are way more glamorous <laughs> than I think they actually are. I mean, it's still pretty glamorous, but way more glamorous. I thought I was going to be like a hot shot, just like designing all of these things and everybody would think I was so cool. You saw yourself as an architect 
Yeah. Yeah. Like ones with really cool glasses wearing black. <laughs> totally, because that's how it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then what steered you towards architecture school in the first place? I took an aptitude test. Oh, in high school. Yeah, and it told me that I would be a great flight attendant, a great engineer, or a great architect. And you're like, I, nope, nope. Okay, that sounds cool. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, it sounds really cool. And my, uh, so my dad pushed me more towards it because he's always had this like great love for architecture and this great curiosity. And so anytime in Austin, they would have AIA home tours mm. or anything, we would always go because my dad was so excited and interested. Whenever I was trying to think about my future career, I was always really great at math. I was always really artistic. And so that was the suggestion was architecture. My grandma lives out in the, uh, the hill country and we would always go boating and you see like those really extravagant mm-hmm. lake houses. You see these beautiful homes. You're just like, wow, like that seems amazing to live in such a place. And then to think about actually creating something that was the biggest part of architecture is that you're creating something, something that was in your brain. You made it physically. I think that's the best part about it. Once you got to AM, did you have some pivotal people in your life or did something pivotal happen that kept you in it and kept you inspired? Not like I was trying to think who inspired me back then. And I remember really loving Rural Studio. I still <laughs> um, do. It's like the idea that design is for everybody, which is something that I always come back to, especially after LA, designing homes for the rich and famous. It's a dream job because you have no budget. You get to work on these beautiful sites and you're doing these beautiful homes. After a while, you're only designing for the people that can afford it, which I can do this and I love it, but also like I want to do something for everyone as well. You know, all the other students like you guys were always so, I always looked up to everybody because you're trying to compete and you're trying to be as good. There's so many people that are like more inspired than myself. And so I like, how do I get inspired? And you know, you're just trying to be the best that you can be. And then I would say study abroad. Barcelona just like rocked my world. Just like being on our own, maturing, but also being able to travel, which for architecture, it's a necessity to see everybody's uh, worlds and how people live differently, um, how you can make really beautiful spaces in urban environments, how you see old architecture, new architecture, how they meet each other. It was so inspiring to this day. Anytime like I am starting to feel like my inspiration tank is low, it's time to travel, you know? Well, and with Barcelona, there is such a, like Spain and Spanish architects have such a whimsy. It's like they consider architecture their artistic medium. Which is really nice to see because I always felt like that's where I wanted to go with architecture. Like when everybody has the conversation of, architecture is it uh art or is it building like or is it both or like how would you define it uh I always felt like I would hope for my work to be a bit more of art if I had to pick one or the other I'd pick form over function yeah it was really nice to see like different iterations of how people feel about what architecture is and and then also just to like to be in Italy and see some of the oldest architecture in Greece and uh, just Architecture in general is just, it was so beautiful and um, refreshing and inspiring. Yeah, you mentioned you own your own firm. 
So briefly describe what you do now. I mean, you kind of talked about it, but I'd like you to go into it a little bit more about your custom residential work. Right now, I'm working on a bunch of remodels. I'm still doing a remodel that I started in California. So I have one in Huntington Beach. I'm doing a remodel close to my house. It's just like a Texas ranch home that they want to make work for them. And then I've started another remodel, which is really cool, out in Florence, Texas. They live in this like old metal barn. They bought it like a bunch of metal barns, and then they've made this commune of metal barns that they live in. One's their tractor supply area and storage, and then one is their house, and they have a bunch of guest house. And it's it's unlike anything that I've seen, and they want to add on to their residence barn. And I've created this more modern addition to it, which I hope that they eventually transpires to that. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. So, yeah, so right now just a bunch of remodels. As, like I'm trying to um, land a new construction. I think new construction is the... Like I, you know, like I strayed away from new construction from LA because that's all we were doing. And it got to a point where people are just buying these homes that are relatively new, knocking them down and building a new house, which sure the house that was there wasn't great. It was like a Mediterranean Tuscan villa, right? (laughs) Which nobody wants to live in, but also it was built like four years ago. And there's this whole aspect of sustainability that they're just knocking over anyways, (laughs) I was so excited about getting all of these remodels because I thought it was, you're working with people who have more difficult to figure out a solution. You can't just have anything that you want. It's a little bit more of a problem to solve. Now I'm back to like, it would be great to also have a new construction house. (laughs) (laughs) I think it takes a while to get there. I'm in the same boat. That's a goal, right? The first ground up custom house. That's like your calling card in architecture. Most of it is, you know, just referral based. Well, I feel like I've been really great, and I also hope to continue to be really great with my clients. If your client's not happy, you're not a good architect, which is also trying to figure out how to select clients at the very beginning so that you guys are both doing something that means something to you, you know? Yeah. Which I've had really great clients so far where I think we've done a really good collaboration. Well, you talked a little bit about your journey from after graduating to starting your own practice. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe aviation architecture and the things that you learned that took you to the next point, the stepping stones. When you get out into the real world, you're just learning a completely different set of skills, just like working in an office, coordination, lots of emailing, talking to clients and how you present yourself and how you run meetings. It's a whole different set of skills that you have to learn and hone. Mm -hmm. You continue to hone forever which luckily with Corgan, they were a really great firm. I had a really great team, really great bosses to look up to and try to like imitate. They were so good about delegating and running such a large team was really useful to figure out how to structure teams as well. You're learning and doing almost completely different things than what you were doing in school. School teaches you how to be the best. They're teaching you what you are as a designer, like what your point of view is and how to show that, how to communicate that. Those are things that you get to do once you're at the top of your game, right? Like you have to learn all of these other things before then, like how to draw sections and details (laughs) and deal with almost the mundane version of architecture that nobody talks about. It's not glamorous, but it has to be done. You're learning so many details. So working at a really great firm was good for that 
that's where everybody starts out, which I think is a good thing because you have to figure out and you have to know, like eventually when you're running your own team, like you have to know that you were in that same position, you know, how that feels um, to be treated in a certain way um, and how to support your team so that they feel like they're collaborating and they're a part of this because I don't know if we would all be in architecture unless we felt like we were a part of this creation. That's the best quality of architecture is feeling that creation. There's so many things that you don't learn in architecture school. (laughs) (laughs) You learn when you get out. And it's good that you had a good foundation at a good firm to be able to pick those things up and have good people mentoring you. My first internship out of school, I was very fortunate to have a whole group of people that to this day are still supportive of what I do. I thought that that was a given. I took it for granted. Later in life, you don't have necessarily the best mentors or any at all. And you're you're trying to figure out who do I go to or what do I do? And realizing that that's not a given is, yeah. I think, something that I've come to later in life. And I must feel lucky and fortunate that it was something I had early on. And then yeah, to know sure. to seek that out again, right? Because you know yeah. what that feels like and you know the benefits you can get from it especially as a sole practitioner, we both are trying to find and build that network again is a difficult thing because you're not in a firm with the resources and knowledge base and colleagues. It's important to stay connected and it's something you have to be more proactive about. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk a little bit more about your time in LA and your firm there? Because you said that was your dream job and that you didn't want to leave it, but this was like the natural progression to start your own firm because you had your dream job. So what made it your dream job? It was my dream job because of the people. I've been lucky to work for a bunch of really great firms. And I always thought, no, this is the best one. Every time I got a new job, I was like, no, this is the best one. They just kept like <laughs> topping each other. And um, That's and so fortunate. I, it really is. I've had one job that was just kind of like meh. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it that's wasn't it, even just, it wasn't even bad. You're just describing no. it like, oh, it just wasn't the yeah. next step up. So whenever I started working at KAA, it was such a cool atmosphere. The office is really cool. Everything's open. You're in this old brick warehouse building that they used to store props in for LA movies. They play music over the speakers all the time. And in LA, people show up. Everybody's really casual compared to Dallas. People are like rolling in at 9 a.m., smiles on their faces. Sometimes people would bring their surfboards so they can catch some waves after work. It was like everything that I thought California would be, plus architecture. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) They were all great as architects. Everybody was really collaborative, but you want to hang out with them, not just to do work. We would go hang out after work, have a drink, eat lunch together outside, and it was this family. It always had like a work family, but like this was like everybody in the office was your family, not just like a small <laughs> tribe. I don't know how they do it, but they just, they've really nailed their interview process because they've only found people that are amazing. <laughs> I think that takes a lot of intuition of the interviewer to the interviewee. You have to predict all these things about somebody and I'm sure you don't get them all right, but that's a large part of like trying to hone your team. Yeah. And then just generally, they really cared about their people, which is 
one of the biggest things that has shaped my idea of what a successful firm would be because I want to have that team that is, that's a family that you love to hang out with and that you're doing cool stuff together. You work hard, but you play harder. And it reminded me a lot of us in Barcelona. They had their priorities straight. It wasn't just the typical super architect firm that you think of where the one thing that you care about the most, architecture above everything else, you know, like you let, <laughs> you let your life die because your life is architecture. Right. These people had it right. They all went home. I never worked a weekend. So you're still making beautiful spaces and they have a life too and families. That's important now that we're all in our thirties and it's 10 years later. I think a lot of the first 10 years have been honing skills. And then this next 10 years, I think people are trying to figure out how do I have more meaning because now yeah. we've all been set up really well with our education and our experience. You know, we know what a meaningful life would look like. And yeah, how, do you, how yeah. do you balance that with architecture and something you love to do or who, whoever it may be that we went to school with, whatever they're doing now? For sure. It sounds like you want to not be a sole proprietor indefinitely. <laughs> and this is funny, too. I, I've been thinking a lot when you've been talking about that. You're such a people person. That was my story at the beginning. You want people around you. You want a team. So I'm curious to hear what you what your 10 year plan looks like. Well, so when I was dreaming about having my own firm, I, I would, Elizabeth and I would talk about this all the time. Elizabeth is her best friend and a mutual friend of ours from architecture school. I'm going to have this, it's going to be like the Harlem Globetrotters of architecture. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One part of architecture that I think is fascinating is that the, the like amount of uh, knowledge that you have on so many subjects, right? Like even the architecture exams, you're tested on so many things that aren't actually part of architecture, but are plumbing, HVAC, structures, business. You have to know a little bit of everything, which is really interesting because you're always learning, which is a problem, but also is exciting. There's so many things to learn. Part of it was taking a step back and saying, I can't be the best at all of these things. And I I have these people that are really great at what they do. And together we make this amazing team, which I learned a little bit about in LA because our CFO, she's so amazing. And she's at the top of her game and her field. And she comes together with architects and figures out how they can structure their business to be the most profitable. And I'm trying to do a little bit of that just for myself as a sole practitioner, but I know that I'm never going to be as good as she is. Yeah. I want a dream team. That's a good quality of a leader is when you talked about building a dream team, you're a coach. Ideally, I would still be in it and I'm with everybody too. Maybe I'll be team captain. There you go. Yeah. You're still in the trenches with everyone. That's what I liked so much about working in LA was that you're part of a team. I love being part of a team because it's just refreshing. You always have somebody to take a break with and just blow some steam off. It's nice to share responsibility in something. Doing this by myself, I've learned so much because you have to do all of these things and you get better about structuring your time. Then also just honing your skills because there's all these things that you didn't have to do before and now you have this appreciation. That's one of the things that I love and I find most fascinating about architecture is it keeps you so agile. I remember when I was working at HEB as a cashier, all you're doing is like clocking hours. You're doing the same thing. You see different people, you're working towards an end time, which architecture, 
your product is always different. No site is ever the same. And then no consultant is ever the same. No client is ever the same. So you're always trying to figure out new ways to do things and new ways to get to the end goal. (laughs) Well, and I'm continually amazed by it's relatively the same process you go through to get something built, but it's never the same. You would think that it would follow the same progression, but there's so many things that throw a wrench in it. And it's not necessarily a bad wrench, but it's just a wrench that takes it into another direction. And you have to navigate that continually. Good variety. It's why architects live a long time. (laughs) Because one, I don't think, like you were saying earlier, we're masochists. We will continue to work till literally we're on our deathbed. Yeah. But I'm not done yet. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, And then two, you have to use both sides of your brain and you're constantly having to learn new things. I think it keeps you super sharp. You answered most of my questions. So officially we can end the interview. (laughs) Unless there's more that you wanted to add. Well, I did want to tell you about my cat line of products. (laughs) Please do. Let me explain what she means by cat products. Candace has designed and recently launched her own line of feline toys. These toys range from cat tunnels, scratching towers, food bowls, and a few other toys I'm able to see on her video call. We briefly talk about this as her side business and how she's able to manufacture designs and why she went into this endeavor in the first place. It started out like as a half joke, a half think tank idea, because I'm just like, I'm always trying to think about what's missing? Like, how can we solve something, right? There's a problem that I need to solve. There's no reason that they need to be these like ridiculous colors and uh, so obnoxious. So yeah, so that's why I started working on this line just for my own profit. Like, even if this isn't a business, at least I get these products out of it for myself. (laughs) Well, how did you figure out? So have you actually manufactured? I think the hurdle to the product design is trying to figure out a path to get it made. How have you tried to figure that out? The one thing that I need to get manufactured has been the hardest. And I was originally trying to launch only when my whole product line was ready because I had a list of things that I wanted to launch with. And the tunnel has been the one that has taken so long. It's simple. I'm not actually trying to redo the design. I'm just trying to take the same design and make it better, right? And nicer, neutral colors. But I was also trying to manufacture things locally. So I'm trying to be as sustainable as possible. Also, Austin isn't the biggest textile manufacturing place. It's just been a learning experience as well as I'm still trying to figure it out. Where are you at? Do you have your products? Can I see them? This one is not finished. Ooh. Is that a scratching post? Yeah, it's One World Trade Center. (laughs) So you're totally taking like the Rodney Hill cardboard. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm I'm making these out of a laser company in Austin. I've got a white oak and a walnut base for them. And then I have a set of bowls that I'm working with a ceramic artist. Oh my God, you're in danger of these could like be this huge hit and you would never go back to architecture. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get away from it, but at least I'll have a source of income. Thanks for talking with me. Yeah, thanks. This was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah, we should set up a chat. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks, Candace. Yeah, see you later. Bye. Candace's story is a lot like mine. We both worked for a handful of architecture firms, got our architect's license, and started our own architecture practices 
We both do our own side projects. Hers is Cat Temporary Living, a line of handcrafted and well-designed cat products. And mine is this podcast production and writing articles. I love hearing about Candace's plans for her future dream team of colleagues that she would like to create with her studio and can't wait to see what the next few years looks like. Stay tuned for next week's episode featuring a non-architect who is a maker of everyday objects in wood and ceramics. See you next time on 10 Colleagues, 10 Years.